And one of those things last week we really, I really tried to bring out was the fact that, that I as a pastor and those that are working in different uh, leadership roles in ministry are not there to do the work of the ministry. They are there to prepare the saints. That's you. Say, I'm a saint. I'm a saint. If you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you are a saint. It is to prepare you to go out into the ministry. Now, that doesn't mean that I back off on what I do. No, I'm just like you. I am, I am absolutely supposed to go out and do the same thing that you're supposed to do. But wow, if I go out into this community and you guys, you know, you, you, you give in offerings and you give so this church is here and you give so that I, I'm able to go out and, and work full time and go out into the ministry and see people saved. You know, there's only so many people in a day that I can reach and, you know, reached out to different people. But wow, what if I and other leaders were here to equip you and then I went out into my week and everybody I encountered, I, I shared the love of Christ. I showed them the love of Christ. I prayed for the healing. I prayed for that. But what if you were also doing it? Wow. What kind of impact? And I know many of you already are. But what kind of impact could we have for the kingdom of God? What kind of difference could we make? And that's exactly what Christ is doing in us. That, that I am here to help prepare us for ministry in this world, that I am, I am here to prepare us for the work of the ministry. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting at verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, I'll tell you, uh, verse 13 is kind of the goal, right? Wouldn't you say? You know, every, every time you go to do something, you need to set a goal. You've got to know where you're going. It'd be like going on vacation. Where are you going? I don't know. We haven't decided that. You know, hey, you're not going to Disney World. You're going to, you know, Cancun. Oh, I don't know. We just knew we wanted to take a vacation. We're going somewhere. Haven't figured out where we're going. No, you've got to have a place you're going. Well, it tells us right here why we have those apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, preachers. It tells us why we're equipping the saints. It's not just, you know, we are a Pentecostal church. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. We believe in healing. We talked about divine healing this morning in our, in our class. I invite you, by the way, if you're not doing anything Sunday mornings, I know a lot of people are doing ministry work here, but I invite you to come to the class that we're having a Sunday morning. Um, it was a pretty good discussion, I thought, this morning. You know, everybody kind of being able to talk about it, but we're talking about the, the core doctrines and core beliefs of the Assemblies of God, and one of those is divine healing. We believe in divine healing, that God is more than able to heal you, that there is nothing too big for God. So we believe in that. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. Is the, the fact of the matter is, is that everything, every gift that God gives, every, every work that he does, there is a purpose for it. You know, the bottom line is uh, God could save you and then give you your ultimate healing all in one foul swoop. Could you imagine what it'd be like to, to say, I surrender all to Jesus, uh, you know, I come down to the altar, I give my life to him, and then boom, you're dead, you get buried, and God takes you up to heaven, and you're, it, that's done, man, ultimate healing, you're in heaven, it's all over, you got it. Wouldn't that be easier? You're just, you're just heading your way. You're like, well, I don't know about that, you know. 
Altars might not be, it's kind of morbid, you know, way of looking at it. But you know what I mean? Your ultimate healing comes in heaven. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that judgment, we live in a corrupt world, and until Jesus Christ comes back and renews everything and makes a new heaven and earth, bottom line is, every one of you, I've got good news. It may not sound too good right now, but I'm telling you, every one of you is going to die. But praise God, if you're in Christ Jesus, that's some good news. That's, that's, a great, that's great news. That I know, that you, when, when I die, that day that I go on, you, 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 can, you can just know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm not, you didn't lose Jonathan. I'm not gone. I haven't disappeared. Give up, you can't lose something if you know where it's at. Amen? Amen? You can't lose something if you know where it's at. I know where I'm going to be. You know where you're going to be. Yeah, you've made that decision. Well, praise God, I'm excited that, that we are ready. I'm excited that the day I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ, God didn't just say, okay, that's it, man, boom, ultimate healing, send him up to heaven, he's done. No, God said, I've got a purpose for him, I've got a plan for him. God's healed me, God's redeemed me, God's saved me. There's things, financial healings, mental healings. God has healed me from ailments. God has done things in my life, but every single bit of it. I mean, God has used me. I've spoken tongues. I've done these different gifts. God's worked in me and done different things, but none of it was just so that I could say I've done those things. Not a single bit of it was just so I could walk around saying, oh, man, look at me, look how spiritual I am. I got the gifts of the Holy Spirit and blah, 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 blah. Nope, every single bit of it was done so that God, you could bring glory to God. Every single bit of it. Yeah, you could bring glory to God. Amen. That's why he works inside of you. If, if you were just, you know, all there and so great and, and didn't have, and you were no more used to God on, on earth, then he might just go ahead and, you know, take you up right then and there. God has a plan. He has a work that he wants to do. And as long as you're on this side of, uh, this side of heaven, you got, you got work to do in Christ Jesus. Amen. You got the kingdom to build. Is he still working on you? I hope so, because he's still working on me. He, he's, still, he's still moving over my life. He's still doing something in my life. I praise him for it every day. But this is the goal, verse 13. Hill. So we can stop. This is what I mean by this. Here's how we'll know when we've arrived. Till we all come in the unity of faith. That one alone is pretty tough. <laughs> Out this side of heaven, right? And of the knowledge of the Son of God till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm excited about that. But I'll tell you what, we aren't there. Anybody think we're there yet? Oh, no. Oh, no. We're not there yet. But we're heading that way. We're heading that way. That's where we're going for. That's what we want. We want to be unified in Christ. I remember hearing Augustine, uh, uh, a, uh, a phrase by Augustine. I've remembered it for a long time. But he said, you know, he said, speaking of the church, you know, we all got different arguments, different rate, ways we think, different things we believe, right? And Augustine said this, you know, old, 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 old saint way back. St. Augustine, he said, he said, in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, agape love. In the essentials, in the things that are, you know, 
Christ Jesus lived a sinless life, died, rose again. You know, and those things that are absolute, we gotta, we've got to be in unity on those things. And those things that, that aren't about salvation, we can have some liberty. There's some freedom. You may believe a little different than I believe, and we just love you. But bottom line is, no matter where you find yourself in those arguments, in all things, love. Well, look at verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, and by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, and whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I am here to tell you that your faith and your life, you are not walking around unhindered by the enemy. There is an enemy out there that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He'd love nothing better than to cause you to, to fall, to stumble, to, to move away from, from Christ. He would love nothing more than to, to steal your testimony and to pull you away from Christ's purpose in your life. That's what he wants to do. And sometimes, I'll just be honest with you as Christians, we walk around like we just there's no reason to watch out. There's no reason to be worried about anything that's said. We just kind of take it all in. We've got a problem in America today where we're just listening to every single doctrine, everything that floods in, anything that this world does. We just assume and we just, we just assimilate it into our culture and into everything we do. And suddenly you can't tell a difference between the church and the world as though somehow that's a great thing. I'll tell you what, when Jesus gets a hold of your life, there ought to be something different. When the Holy Spirit is moving and dwelling inside of you, there ought to be something that's different inside of you, moving inside of you, working inside of you. There ought to be a change. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to wear the same things and all you're going to agree on all these little, these little things about how we work out our salvation, but you will recognize that the Bible says that, it, that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You know what the second part of that says? Real powerful. See, I used to hear that, that scripture alone. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I used to think, well, that man, okay, uh, I'm, I'm scared now. He's going to strike me down. I get driving down the road, going a little too fast. Oh, man, boom. God's just going to lightning bolt strike me down. I get a little angry. Man, I'm doing, I, I, man, I'm, I'm doing something, you know, and I, I get frustrated with my wife, and I don't act like a godly man. Oh, better watch out. God's going to strike me. I, I bet you I'm not going to heaven. I, I better get to the altar quick. I do something I'm not supposed to do, and I live under that. Do you know what it actually says? It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for, if you ever find a for in the Bible, you need to find out what it's there for. Right? For, it is God who is working in you. To bring about his good pleasure. Uh -huh. That ought to get you excited. It ought to get you a little nervous. I got God living and dwelling inside of me. I got God at work inside of me. He's moving over me. That voice I hear, not the voices I hear, but that voice I hear, right? That tells me, no, don't go that way. Don't go down that path. Don't do that thing. Or says, do this. And I'll tell you what, we got a lot of don'ts in the church, but there's a whole lot of do's in the church too. And we ought to, as, as Christians, we ought to act on those do's. Because I'll tell you, I walk around. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share with you in just a moment what God did yesterday in my, in my life. It was amazing. It was actually Friday. It was amazing, but it was one of those do's in my life. You know what I'm saying? Where the Holy Spirit says, I want you to do this. I want you to stop. And, and just do 
this one thing. I'm going to tell you what to do. And we've got to be listening and sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit so that when he says, don't go that way, we're careful not to go that way. But also, when we walk in his path, and sometimes he's going to say, hey, I need you right here. I need you to do this thing. I need you to do this. I praise God that he's at work in my life, and I know there's an enemy who's trying to confuse. He's trying to give me all kinds of outside voices. He's trying to tell me to do all kinds of things, but there's a Holy Spirit who whispers in my soul. And when I hear his voice, I know. know, I'm not a stranger to God. I know his voice. And a stranger, I'm not going to follow some stranger or some strange doctrine. I'm going to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking, speaking inside of me. And I'm going to be able to be guided by him and allow him to move through me. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fit jointly together and compacted by that, which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Isn't that great that God is saying, I want you to speak the truth, but speak it in love, and that we are all working together. We are all one body. I could take you to Corinthians and talk about, you know, does, does some say he's the eye? Does some say he's the ear? Do you have them competing? What if everybody was an eye? Wouldn't, would, how would the body function? Don't we all need every single part? Every single one of you have a purpose and a part to play. Every one of you. But you know what's amazing? Is God is going to equip you. As you begin to seek him, as you begin to ask God, okay, God, what is it that you're wanting to do in my heart and in my life? He will equip you for everything you, you, need, you need. He isn't going to send you out and then leave you hanging. He's going to give you everything you have need of. Amen? Now, here's, here's something I want to take you to. I spoke to you last week, and I talked about the tornado and how the tornado impacted my family in a personal way. But I didn't get to finish all that, and I want to share a little bit about it with you because some of you know... Uh, this story just because I personally told you. But when the tornado took out our house, we were paying off debt. We were getting out of debt. As a matter of fact, we had paid off everything except for student loans in the house, and we were on a mission. We knew we were going to be doing ministry. We didn't want to be hindered by debt. And I'll just be honest with you, ministry or not, I'll just tell you right now, if you want freedom, start right there. Boy, you talk about financial freedom. You can have it when you just start saying, okay, God, I'm going to start living below my means. I'm going to start paying off this debt. And, man, I'll tell you what. You wake up and you don't have a payment, your life is different. The, the, the arguments you have with your spouse is different because there's, there's just one less thing for Satan to put between you, one less thing to kind of get in, in the way. And I'll just tell you, marriage, they say the, the vast majority of marriage, when they, when they put on the little divorce decree, the reason for it uh, being the number one cause of divorce in America today, which if you haven't noticed, we've got a problem with that, the number one cause of it, is financial reasons. And honestly, we're not the government. We're not the federal government. We can't just go out and forever get loans. There's not an endless supply of money. We've got to change how we're living. Now, some of you may be in a situation where you're like, yeah, but I don't know how to change that. I don't know how to change what... Well, then you need to, you need to get with somebody who's done that. I'll tell you, man, it's changed my wife and I. It's changed our life. It's changed our family tree. My girls don't look at money and debt the same way that I grew up looking at it, and it's, it's changed our lives. But the reason why I bring that out is we were paying off debt, and the, and the main thing is we knew we didn't want to be hindered by debt. We'd seen what it had already done in our lives, and we didn't want that hindrance in our ministry, and so we had just been praying, God, help us get out of debt, 
you know, we're going to learn to be faithful with our money. And so we just started working toward getting out of debt. And we'd gotten all those things done. And then all of a sudden, this tornado just, boom, wipes out the house, takes everything out. I mean, we're like, whoa, you know, not understanding all that's going on. And God had protected us in ways we could have never imagined. For example, uh, one thing that he had done uh, six months before. As a matter of fact, it was, it was exactly, it was on December the 19th. December the 19th, mark down that date. Our insurance had renewed. It had renewed earlier than I thought. We had changed it uh, the previous year. It renewed sometime in November, but I forgot about it. I thought it was later. I was going to check around. The price, we, we get the bill and the price is like double. So I decide, well, let's go shopping around, see if we can find anything different. I, I do. I find one that's, that's about half the price, back down to normal. And so we go around, and we, we change over to that insurance. And they said, when do you want to change it for? Well, I was thinking, oh, let's do January 1st. You know, it's the beginning of the new year. It's towards the end. That'll be nice, easy. I can call the other insurance company, take care of it all. And so I, I started to say that, but then I just felt like, no, no, no. Well, what's the, what's the best date? He said, well, you can set it for any time you want. And I said, well, why don't we just do... December 19th. Now, I'll just be honest. It was December 19th. It was seven days out from that day. No big deal, right? It's just insurance. For a house, I mean, you know, how many of you buy insurance and you know your house is going to blow away? I mean, you know, you, you just, you hope it doesn't, right? You hope it doesn't. And you know what happens? May 20th, now some of you mathematicians can start calculating the numbers, but May 20th, tornado wipes out our house we've been with this carrier for one day past six months a week later they call us and they start the well that wasn't a week later actually it was like the it was actually the same day i think or later that evening because we were at pastor's house our our pastor had let us stay the night in his house that night and so i remember talking to the lady and so i'm sitting there and she says well here's the coverage that you have she's just listing it off you know here's how much we're going to give you for your house this 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 and then she says, oh, and by the way, we're actually going to give you 25% more on top of that on your house and on your other stuff because you've been with us more than six months. Isn't God good? <laughs> Isn't God good? Yeah. Praise God. If we'd have been, if I'd have done it on the 21st, we wouldn't have got any of that. It's pretty awesome. One day. But then the next thing we got is we'd been paying off debt, and so we got some junker cars, man. We drove some. I was pretty proud of my junker cars. I'll be honest with you. I was, man. I mean, I was tying it together with belling wire. and You know, I mean, we were doing everything we could to hold that thing together, you know, a little duct tape. and I mean, you're just, you're just hanging it together, right? You know, you got the hinges. You know, the doors are hinged together with a little belling wire and duct tape. You know, I, I had a friend who actually had his windshield wipers. The motor went out. This is, this is a friend from uh, Minko, Oklahoma. <laughs> he, uh, I'm glad we don't record our service. Uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. When we were in high school, he had a belling wire that ran through the dash. And when, he had, when there was rain or any kind of mud or anything got on his windshield, he pulled that wire and it would go back in and it would cause the wipers to go up and down. Isn't that awesome? He just kind of rigged things together, you know, figured out how to make it work. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You can relate. We had a minivan with 260-something thousand miles on it. Uh, it, and God had blessed that thing. I could story after story how he had kept that thing running and moving good. But we also had just bought a 1992 Nissan Maxima. This is in 2013, okay? We had just bought a 92 
Nissan Maxima. It only had 102,000 miles. We were so proud of that thing. I mean, man, you know, so we had bought this. And then we had another vehicle that was given to us for like a dollar from my aunt who had gotten it totaled on the rear end, but it still drove fine. So we're like, hey, we're paying off debt. We're going to drive. I drove that thing. I never even got it fixed. I just drove it around. Man, it was all smashed up in the back. And I just drove that thing everywhere. I, I'm not kidding you, man. We were cheap, and it was, it was wild. Some of you are like, are you crazy? That is, that is, that's crazy. You shouldn't live like that. Well, you know what? It was exciting. Here we are. We're doing all this stuff. We're paying off debt. We're excited. We're gun ho We're living like that. Well, we had those three cars. We were trying to go down to one. But, I mean, the minivan or the little, what was that thing? I can't remember what it was now. Um, it was all smashed up in the back. You couldn't even tell what it was. Anyway, that thing... Uh, those two, those two cars were on their end. I mean, they were, they, they were, we were praying them to the places we would go. Right? Anybody been there? We were praying. You know, Lord, keep this thing running, keep this thing going. Yes. All right. Thank you. I made it. Oh, bless that year. Okay. So, tornado comes through. I'm at school. I've got the one that's all wrecked up already. Tear, t- tears away those two. Those are minivan off. You saw last week the little the car that was there in the driveway that was all messed up. Both of them just completely totaled. We weren't driving these away anymore, right? And so a uh, guy comes and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your vehicles. I'm going to, uh, you know, he, he had found from a friend through a friend. We didn't know this guy. He was a pool man, but he had like a flatbed trailer. He had some heavy equipment that he had access to. And so he says, hey, I'll come and take your cars, take them to the scrapyard, do all the prep work, and then bring you back the money. And he did. Man, it was great. It was just a blessing for us. We didn't have a way to do it. We'd have to pay someone to do it. And so he took care of it all for us. Well, the night before, um, well, actually, let me tell you this. It was, a, it was a Wednesday morning. I drive our only car that we have left. I drive it up to the gas station. I'm heading to Metro Tech to go to work. I put it, I fill it up full of gas all the way, put it back, run in because the little cake dispenser is out, all right? Come back out, and that car is just gushing gasoline out of it. Now, I don't, I'm no mechanic. You'll find that out in a minute, too. I mean, it is just gushing, gushing. Tons of gas just flowing out of that thing. I don't know, you know. So I'm not about to turn that thing on. No way. I go in and tell them, I said, sorry, but I'm leaving this here for a little while, you know, and I'm getting far away from it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I go back to the hotel. I, I pray, okay, God, you've got to take care of this. You know what we have need of. Man, I, we, we don't have a, a vehicle. I think I mentioned this to you. Uh, some of you, you may have heard this story before. God, we, we have need of, you know, of something. And I remember just praying. I said, God, you know what we have need of. I trust you. You know what we have need of. I actually prayed to him, though. Right after that, I said, God, I'm praying. I want, a, I want a four-door truck. I want a pickup truck, you know, one that's big for me and also can hold all my family. That's what I, I prayed for. Now, I didn't care if God wanted to change my prayer or whatever, but that's what I prayed for. I was like, okay, God, I really want a pickup truck. Now, I wasn't talking to my wife. I wasn't telling her what I was praying for. I was all by myself in my hotel room. But I was just praying, God, you know what I have need of. Now, in my mind, in the flesh, I'm thinking to myself, and I didn't pray this, but this is what I'm thinking. God, send us someone with a cheap truck that I can buy. That's what I'm thinking. I want to buy another little, you know, $1,800, $2,000 pickup truck, right? That's what I'm thinking in my mind, but I'm praying, God, just send us a pickup truck. Well, I end my prayer the same way as I began. This is just how I believe it. I just prayed, okay, God, I trust you. I trust you. You know what we have need of. I trust you. And so that's it. What I didn't know is the night before, that pool man 
went to Stillwater, Oklahoma, and he was working on a pool for a lady, and he says to this lady, he says, you know, we're going down to Oklahoma City tomorrow to moor. We, we know some people that their cars need to be taken into the shop and blah, blah, blah. You know, they got all this. We're going to do all this stuff for them. And she looks at him and smiles. She says, my husband and I have been praying, and the Holy Spirit told us that we were to give some cars to some people. But we didn't know anybody affected by the tornado, so we just told her, or we just told God that you're going to have to send someone to us. Thursday morning, I'm praying at our hotel room. Thursday around noon, my wife gets a call. She's at the, uh, she's at the land where our house was, working with Samaritan's Purse. They were you know, uh, moving all the stuff off the land, leveling it and everything, getting it all sorted. And she gets a call, and it's from a lady that says, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to buy you a car. What kind of car do you want? And she goes through, and they talk for a while. She comes home later that night. Could you show the picture? Actually, she says, I got a Nissan, a 2011. This is 2013. A 2011 Nissan Altima. That's pretty nice, huh? That's no clunker driving down the road, you know. You can see it. My wife still drives it. 2011 Nissan Altima. And... Then my wife, she's telling me this at the end of the day. I have no idea what's going on. She just smiles. She, I'm like, I'm laughing. I'm like, yeah, praise God. You know, he upgraded my prayer. I wasn't saying, oh, man, I didn't get a truck. That didn't even enter my mind. Wow, I prayed for a truck, and God didn't give it to me. Take that one back, God. You misunderstood me. You know, I did not mess up my words. I said, truck, no, I was, okay, God. Thank you, Jesus, right? But my wife says, and, and by that time, I think I'm in one of those Coke Zero commercials. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all aren't worldly enough to know you don't watch the TV. But, but I, you know what I'm talking about? The Coke Zero, you know? He says, oh, you got to raise. And, and then they start adding on, you know, a million dollars or whatever. I don't know, you know. So anyway, uh, I know I'm a little worldly sometimes. So this, this next one, uh, and a 2004 Ford F-150 four-door pickup truck. I was like, okay, I still drive that too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I've got my mindset, man. I'm gonna drive that thing till it won't drive anymore. I like it. There's no payments. They bought them things, amen. They bought them, paid cash for them, 100%. No debt on their end, no debt on our end. Paid 100% of it. Um, actually, came down that next day, delivered the vehicles to us, prayed with us and then handed us a check for $2,500 and said, we don't want you to have any tag title tax, any kind of expenses with getting these cars done. We just, we just want you to be blessed with them, and if there is any extra left over, you just, you just keep it for whatever you have need of. Now, you know, some of, most of, I know, if you're like me, I would just be thinking to myself, okay, um, praise Jesus that he did that. I don't have the kind of funds to be able to go buy cars for people like that. But you know what? You have something. You have, th- you have the ability to do something. You know why? Because God has, has given you that ability. There is something that you can do. There is some way that you can reach out. So, so I want to read this passage. It's Exodus, the 36th chapter. Exodus, the 36th chapter. We'll start at verse 1. We're going to read a few passages here, a few scriptures here, but then, and then we're going to close this up. But I want to share this with you because I think it's incredible. So God is speaking through Moses, and he wants to build the tabernacle. And get this, God wants to build the tabernacle. He, he's he's going he's gonna to have all of the children of Israel. He said, I'm going to put it on your heart. 
to give. And they brought earrings. They brought all these other metallic things. And they brought their, their silver and their bronze and their gold and whatever they had, God put it on their heart. And as he led them, they brought it unto the Lord. It says they were literally spirit-led to bring it to them. You read it. Literally, they were spirit-led to bring these things to the house of God. They were going to build it with that. And that's many times how God works in us. You know, just like we were talking earlier, people have donated and given. You have given of your time. Some of you, I, I know uh, Pastor Tony and Paul, there's some blood, sweat, and tears on this, uh, pole, I mean, this uh, uh, platform right here. There's actually some blood on this platform right here. <laughs> I know that for sure because I've heard Pastor Tony tell me that story uh, of him riding on this, you know, riding on the thing with his own blood because he hit his thumb with a, you know, hammer, I think is what it was, right? So, some, so you've put in different ways. But look at what it says. They're going to build the tabernacle. How does God do it? God is all-powerful, and he could have said, I'm going to send you a tabernacle from heaven. I mean, in a whirlwind, I'm just going gonna, gonna to send a tornado, and all of a sudden, a tabernacle is going to land right there in the middle of your community, and you're going to worship there, and you'll know that God sent it. But that's not what he said at all. He said he's going to use every single one of you to put into this tabernacle, and that's exactly what he did. He began to unify a people that were completely disunified in everything they did, but he began to put it in their spirit. The only way you and I will ever find unity is when we allow the one who's inside of us to rule and reign over our life. That's the only way we get unity. Because my wants and needs are going to be different than yours. And as long as I'm living and dwelling in the flesh, I'm going to say, this is what I want, and this is what I want, and this is what I need. And it's not going to be the same as what you want. But when the Holy Spirit is moving and dwelling inside of us, it can bring a unity that's supernatural. And that's what he did in the people of Israel. They're constantly bickering, complaining, fighting. But now the Holy Spirit is working inside of them and they're suddenly giving what they were just a few days earlier. Let me remind you, just, just not long before, where they were given their gold and silver to make calves of gold to worship a different God. Now they're giving of themselves for the tabernacle, for the Holy of Holies, amen, for, for God's almighty place. And that's exactly what he does. And then in, in chapter 20, or 36, it says, verse 1, then wrought Bazel, uh, but, uh, sorry, I can't say the name, and Aholiab, and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all the manner of work for the service of the Lord, uh, for the sanctuary, according to all that the Lord had commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab, and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, Every, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to the work to do it. Uh, let's just jump down here to verse uh, 6. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout all the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the stuff that they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too, and too much. When the people of God had gotten into unity together, suddenly every single need, it was too much. They had to say, stop, because we've met every need. Do you know what I believe? That when we become unified and when we get together with the other churches in this community and we unify, no, we're not going to agree, 
that we're not going to change their mind about certain doctrines and, and they're not going to change ours. But I will tell you this, when we're working together in unity, we're going to give so much that the city of Hera and the, the communities that surround, we've got more than enough resources to meet every need and then some. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. We could meet every need and then some that arises in this community if we're working together in unity. As long as we're against each other, as long as we're fighting against each other, as long as we're not working together for the, for the cause of the kingdom, I don't believe that we can do very much. We're going to be limited. We're going to be constrained. But when we work together in unity and love, we can do incredible things for God's, for God's kingdom. Well, here's an example of you walking and just, just being ready to do God's work. I went and saw Mike's dad uh, Friday for surgery. Surgery went well. I left out of there, and it sounded like something was wrong with my car. I thought, boy, am I having engine trouble or transmission? Or I don't have a clue. I'm no, I'm no mechanic. It was a flat tire. <laughs> Wondered why it was driving so bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. If you need me to pray for your car, you just come tell me. If you need me to work on your car, I'm not much help. But I will come pray. Okay? But I get there. I pull over in CVS right over. I, I mean, I just left out of Southwest Medical Center. I mean, man, something's up. I, am I dragging something? What is going on? It's back tire. Pull into CVS, and I look at it, and it is a flat tire. Can you show the picture of the flat tire? On there? Uh, is it already up there? Yeah, there it is. It was all the way to the ground, and, and you won't be able to tell from this picture because where you're at, but there's a nice good ring around the tire that didn't exist before I drove on it like that. Yeah, that's pretty much how you ruin them. I ruined a, a good tire. Uh, that tire was only a month old, by the way. Had a good nail right in the middle, but I drove on it too long and just ruined it. Okay. reason why I bring all that up is because I know how to change a tire. I can, I can do that, I kind of. So I pull out all the stuff. I've seen this before. I've done it myself a few times. Yeah, I, I've actually done it a few times. But not on this truck, okay? Well, when I, when I ordered this truck online through the Holy Spirit and prayed for it, you know, I didn't realize that it also came with extra services. You're going to find this out. It's, it's incredible how God worked through my prayer early on. There's a little bit of sarcasm there, but I pull out the jack. I pull out the pieces. I'm looking. I'm like, okay, I know the tire's up under the middle. How do you lower that thing? So I go to the back. There's a little keyhole around. The, okay, I'll bet it's probably that. No problem. I go look it up on YouTube. Thank you, YouTube. And it shows me how to do it. Perfect, man. Put in my key, pull out the deal. And then I look down that hole, and they showed it on YouTube, man. You just stick this thing in there, and it, you turn it, and it lowers the tire. I'm looking through that. I don't see anything to lower that thing down. Where in the world? Are, what are they talking about? They failed to mention that it's way up in there in the middle, kind of off center. You can't see it through the little hole, right? Some of you have done this before, and you're, you know why I'm struggling here. So I'm stuck, man. I don't know how to get that tire down. I'm just like, okay, I don't know what to do. No rud side assistance, nothing like that. So I go back, and I think, okay, God, you're going to have to help me out here. And so I just pray right there. Say, God, I don't know how to do this. 
I can't get my tire down so I can change the thing. And I am not kidding you. I say a man, and a guy drives up with his window down and says, hey, I work at Meineke. Give me a second. I'm going to go get my uh, um, jack. I'm going to go grab a jack from there, and then I'll come back and help you out. Okay? Yeah. I mean, have you ever waited on roadside assistance? God's got this. I mean, because you normally you wait 45 minutes, an hour, or longer. No, nope, not with Jesus. No. Uh, you know what? It was amazing. I mean, I say, hey, man, here's this guy, pulls up. Well, there was a Meineke. He couldn't, he didn't see me. It wasn't like he, you know, Meineke, people saw me and just honed in on me. You couldn't see the Meineke from where I was at. It wasn't like they just knew that way. But, I, but he managed to see me. And so he comes back with another guy. They're both in their Meineke. As a matter of fact, it's Marshall and Connor were the two guys' names. And there they are. How many guys does it take to get a, no. Praise God. So there's Marshall and Connor. And they lowered my tire down. They didn't stop there. They did the whole thing, man. They, had, they brought their big jack, you know. They had that thing going. I mean, I was up and on the road, went down to Firestone. They replaced it, you know, because I had the little warranty they have on it. And so they replaced it and, and took care of it. It was God's good. And so uh, these two gentlemen, man, I, I'm looking at them, you know, they, they get talking to me, and I, I said, well, you know, can I, can I offer you anything, you know, uh, money or anything? You know, I appreciate it. You know, I was very thankful. And uh, he's, oh, no, 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 that's you, you're just fine. Uh, I pray. I, I stopped. I said, can I pray with you guys? He says, well, yeah. He said, my aunt, she's actually has breast cancer. Lana is her name. My aunt has uh, breast cancer. And so if you could just lift her up in prayer. I said, okay, is it okay if we just pray right here? And so us three right there in the parking lot of CVS at the corner of Southwest 44th and, and Western prayed right there out in the open, and I prayed over them. I prayed that God would bless them for what they had already done. I prayed that, that uh, she would be, that Lana would, would be healed and that God would get, get the glory for it. And so we prayed in the name of Jesus Christ, and I talked to them, guys. I'm telling you, there's an amazing God who looks for opportunities. And here I am in a struggle, and God gives me an opportunity to, to, for these guys to come bless me. They, they actually were, you know, they, they already knew, yep, our pastor would blah, 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 you know. So, so uh, these two gentlemen were simply being God's hands and feet where they were. God was able to dispatch his people right to a need and meet it. And I was able to do something and pray with them. And I know God's going to bring it back to them. I know he's going to bless them. When you walk out of these doors today, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity. You've already got, if you are saved, if, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you already got the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of you. You already got them. Now you just need to say, God, I want you to activate in my life. I want you to empower me in my life. I want, I want you to baptize me with fire. I want you to move through me and use me like never before. I want you to, to saturate my life so that everywhere I go, I can bring about victory and fragrance of, of the mighty God, the awesome God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I want everybody to know that I serve a living God. He's not dead. He, he's not in a grave. You can't go visit him. You can't go find him on this earth in some tomb or some uh, relic or some other place. You, he, he's on the throne. Uh, he's, he's not left there. Amen. He's mighty God.
Would you stand? I've already gone a whole lot longer than I normally do, but I'll just tell you, I believe that God wants to speak in your life and he wants to speak in your heart. I believe that you and I cannot make it without each other. I absolutely believe you and I cannot make it without each other. We need each other. I need you. You need me. Amen? We need each other. We've got to have each other. We need each other praying and lifting each other up. We need each other building each other up. We, we need to be able to, to work together in unity and say, you know what? Even though sometimes I don't always agree with this person or that person's views or what they look like, what they wear, how, whatever they, I mean, whatever it is that tries and separates you, let me remind you where separation came from. The garden in the fall. Every time you look at someone else and for whatever reason, for whatever reason, they look different than you. Color skin, clothes they wear, ways they act, whatever it is, just remember, disunity didn't come from God. He made us all perfect and in His image to be image bearers in the world, right? Every single one of us. Every single thing that causes you to be separate from your brothers and sisters in Christ, every single bit of it, every bit of it, is not from God. It's not from God. Even when there's a doctrine that is extremely valuable, even when there's a doctrine that's extremely valuable and very important, there are some things that I'm not willing under any circumstances to say. There's certain, there certain doctrines that bottom line is I've drawn the line in the sand. These are ones I will not cross. There is no, no uh, variance in, in this. It is very clear. But even in those when I have someone in disagreement with me, I know that God would have me deal with them in love. Even in that. The Holy Spirit is inside of me. He can make me to deal with Him in love. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just thank You. I thank You for this church. I thank You, Lord God, that You are working inside of each and every one of us. I thank You that this is a unified church, that this is a loving church. I thank You, Father God, that this is an awesome church, an excellent church, a church that walks in victory, not a church that walks in weakness or or in despair, but a church, Lord God, that can hold its head up high and say we are a vessel of the Almighty God. We are going to be used by You to reach out to a lost and dying world. I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you daily walk through us and use us, that we are a mighty church, a mighty movement for the almighty God, that we thank you that Jesus Christ is moving and dwelling and working inside of us to do his good pleasure. And I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would begin to take us to the next level. I pray, Father God, that you would begin to speak to everyone here, no matter where they're at, no matter where they found themselves at. I pray, Father God, that you will cause them to move to the next level. Maybe they don't know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray right now, Lord God, that they would not continue to walk in darkness. You haven't promised us tomorrow. All we have is right here, right now, this moment. 
Today is the day of salvation, and I just pray, Father God, that you would begin to speak to their heart and to their life, draw them to you, and they would not leave out of this building without having received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that you can take away the sins that are inside of them that are dwelling and moving and contrary to your word. And I just thank you right now for salvation, that this is a house of salvation. I thank you, Father God, that this is a house of healing, that there is healing virtue in this place. And I just pray, Father God, that if anyone is sick, if anyone has an ailment, if anyone is diseased, I pray, Father God, that they would reach out in faith and call upon your name, that, Lord God, they would stand firm on the word, that, Lord God, if you have a financial need or a mental issue, anything that's going on, you love your children, you care for your children, you know what's best for them. And so I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would begin to speak to their heart and to their mind and you begin to draw them to yourself. I just thank you, Lord God, that you would give them faith to believe and receive that you have already paid the price, that all we have to do is call on your name. All we have to do is ask, Lord God, you may not come like we think it would, but you do hear us. We are your children and we trust you. I thank you, Lord God, for the work you're doing in our hearts and in our lives, that you are building your church, not us, but you. You are building your church. We give you glory for it in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray.